Talmor, Sheshin Mugachi. Talmor is my home. My family have worked the land for generations. My grand says the island does not belong to us, but we belong to the island. And we must be ready for a great evil is coming. And death follows with it. Listen and subscribe to the latest season of Undertow, The Harrowing, a story glass production presented by Realm, available wherever you get your podcasts. The thing that I fought tooth and nail to bring my son into is Dungeons and Dragons. That is the ultimate solution to parenthood. I'm Alexis Ohanian. In my podcast, Business Dad, I'm hoping to open up the conversation about balancing careers and family. I talked to Rain Wilson. I wanted to learn more about Rain's advice to play D&D with your kids. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Lightspeed. Hello, and welcome to the Lightspeed Magazine Story Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Freund. Lightspeed Magazine is edited by John Joseph Adams, and our podcast is produced by Skyboat Media. Today's story is We Will Be All Right by Carolyn Ives Gilman, narrated by Gabrielle DeCure. This story is copyright 2018. Carolyn Ives Gilman is currently celebrating her decision to quit her job in order to write more science fiction. She has written two novels and five stories in the loosely connected Twenty Planets universe. Her books include Dark Orbit, Isles of the Forsaken, and Ison of the Isles, a two-book fantasy about culture clash and revolution, and Halfway Human, a novel about gender and oppression. Her short fiction has appeared in Lightspeed, Clark's World, Fantasy and Science Fiction, The Year's Best Science Fiction, Interzone, Universe, Full Spectrum, Years of Fantasy, and others. She has been nominated for the Nebula Award three times and for the Hugo twice. Gilman lives in Washington, D.C. and works as a freelance writer and museum consultant. So, let's get ready to buckle up. We're going to light speed. We Will Be All Right by Carolyn Ives Gilman Tomorrow is Easter, and I will have to welcome into my home the woman who is going to murder my son. I need to prepare side dishes in advance. Take a heaping bowl of injustice, mash it to a pulp, season with tears of rage, bake, and serve in a dish speckled with four-leaf clovers. The question is, should I put the rat poison in hers alone? Or would it be better for all of us to go together? Don't worry, we'll be careful, the glowing couple assures me. But I have seen how they stand together, how their fingers and arms entwine as if the touch of skin on skin thrills them. I know how she will act, because I did it too. I was a victim of the compulsion of spring, that sweet, brief time of yearning bodies, of gentle lips on downy hair, of being doubled by inhabiting one another. 
He was a noble, rash young man, ready to risk his life for love. And I was shallow and impulsive. No, I didn't do it the cautious, sensible way, either. I killed the man I loved in conceiving my son. How quickly everything has changed. I can remember a time before the virulence became universal, when we still assumed a cure was coming. We used such carefree words then, a roll in the hay, a dalliance, a fling. Then we could smile and joke before the consequence became so fatal. But just for the man, almost never for the woman. A gender-biased pathogen was unheard of then. Always before, the outcome and the blame had been for the woman to bear. Well, the blame is still ours, since we are the carriers, the vectors of death, but not for ourselves, only for them. I can still hear the hush that followed when they told me my child was going to be a boy. Everyone was quietly sympathetic. I could have ended it then to avoid heartache and gone back for a controlled clinical pregnancy, but that would not have reversed the sweet, reckless act that caused him. It would just have destroyed all the good that came of it. Of course, once he was born, no baby could have been more precious. If only I could have sealed him in a bell jar then, never to grow, never to know the world. But I still hoped that he could dodge the axe. The first time I saw him on a skateboard, I knew he was not going to listen to sensible persuasion or believe he was not immortal. Eventually, there came a time when he would no longer let me stroke his hair or press my cheek against his. It became embarrassing, mom-like behavior. He was becoming an independent being, striking out on his own. What he didn't know was that he was still part of me, circulating in my blood. The DNA of children lasts in their mother's eyes, muscles, and brains long after they are grown. Women, they say, become chimeras, part themselves, part their children, a patchwork creation stitched together like Frankenstein's monster. The parts of me that are still him call out. They don't want to die. Before he was born, men had futures. They could plan and hope. Now, even the ones who escape the scourge are like ghosts. I saw one in the supermarket yesterday. He looked furtive, guilty. They keep to themselves to avoid the speculative looks. We should not make pariahs of them, but we can't help ourselves, since they call to mind the other ones who deserve to live. The ones who are wanted die. The outcasts and the odd survive. Women run the world competently, of course. We fix electrical grids and drive the trucks and plan the new urban centers, so much smaller now. We are the doctors looking for a cure. Everything still works, but on a reduced scale, as our ambitions are reduced. Still, in the long run, 
I doubt the race will survive. It is technologically possible to reproduce using stainless steel and cryogenics, but to do it that way, we must deny our heirloom instincts. When the millennia of animal existence rise in our blood, we must think of something else. Baseball, perhaps, or our bank accounts. We must deny ourselves the moonshot thrills, the bungee plunge of love, the way nature has done it forever. Outside my kitchen window, it is April in the garden. Season of forget-me-nots and false promises of resurrection. When I think of her entering my house tomorrow, I become a tigress with a mouthful of razor blades. Should I mix the warfarin in her custard cup now? Or lace the sweet potatoes with nightshade? Or should I spare her for the sake of my future grandchild? if worse comes to worst. That potential person may be all that will survive of him. I hope it is a boy, so she will also know the lacerations of regret. We can watch together as some heedless girl murders her child, too. Maybe, decades from now, we will find a kind of companionship together, two silent marble pietas, hand in hand, mothers full of grace and cruelty. All the Aprils of our future will come around dragging memories by the hand, our could-have-been children. But our role now, our commission from God and evolution, is just to grieve. I will put death back under the kitchen sink for now. Then I will put in my earbuds to block out the world. And perhaps we will be all right. Welcome back. You've been listening to Gabrielle DeCure reading We Will Be All Right by Carolyn Ives Gilman. We hope you enjoyed it. If so, please help spread the word by leaving a review or rating on iTunes or the social media venue of your choice. Our editor is John Joseph Adams, and this podcast is copyright 2018 by Lightspeed Magazine. As a listener to this podcast, you know that we publish it and most of the rest of our content for free online. If you don't already support our Hugo Award-winning journal, please consider checking out our many options, including ebook subscriptions and recurring patronage via Patreon and Drip at lightspeedmagazine.com support. Our sponsor this month is Tor Books, who would like you to know their current feature title is Medusa Uploaded by Emily Devonport. Skyboat Media, the most respected independent audio production team on the West Coast, produces the stories for this podcast. They are headed by the Audi and Grammy Award-winning narrators Stefan Rutnicki and Gabrielle DeCure. Be sure to check out their website at skyboatmedia.com. Post-production was by yours truly. 
Our music and sound logos were composed and performed by Jack Kincaid. Thanks for listening. That's all for now. See you on the Bitstream. I'm Jim Freund, wishing you cheers from all of us at Lightspeed. Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 